Welcome to Speaking Candidly with Candace, where we talk in depth with real people about their fears, their challenges, and their triumphs. The purpose of this podcast is to provide you, our listeners, with relatable stories that offer hope and healing from addiction, anxiety, depression, and other mental health problems. I'm your host, Candace Schoner, and I hope over the next half hour, you'll be engaged, enlightened, and inspired to live your very best life. My guest today is Lori Maney Lentini, a mental health advocate and co-author of the recently released book, Anxiety Insights, What Gets to Us and What Gets Us Through. Lori's co-author of the book is none other than her daughter, Dr. Nicole Lentini. Lori, welcome to the show. Thank you, Candice. Good morning. Good morning. Um, first, let me congratulate you on the book. Love the title. And considering what's been going on in our country for the last three months, I'd say your book is extremely timely. Yes, there's definitely increasing anxiety in the world today. No doubt about it. Before we get into the actual book and you're writing the book, would you mind sharing with the listeners just a little bit about your background, such as things like where you're from, your age, and what you do for a living? Sure. I'm from um, upstate New York, and I am a senior vice president for a, organiza- a not-for-profit organization, and we provide mental health services, services to um, folks with disabilities and foster care children. I've worked there for 28 years. I'm in my mid-approaching late 50s, and um, I am the parent of two children who also have um, anxiety and depression issues. So when did you first come up with the idea for the book? And I guess possibly the reason was because you were raising two kids with anxiety issues? It was really a combination of reasons. Um, as I said, I've been in the field for you know quite some time. So I've seen it professionally, and then personally, I have anxiety. And then one of the more motivating factors was as a parent, you know, I was raising two children um, with those issues and realized as they got older that I really missed many of the signs and symptoms, even though I had some background and education and experience. I missed a lot of what um, could have helped them more, and I wanted to... Um, engage in a dialogue and share that with people and be sure that I was sharing my story and inviting them to share those so I could learn from them. They could learn from me. Having a mental health issue is, as you know, very stigmatizing and lonely. And about about half of the people who actually need help don't seek it or don't seek it for seven to eight years, according to the statistics, because of the stigma. And I really, my mission really is to end that stigma in my lifetime, because it should be no different, Um, you know, disclosing that you have a heart condition, diabetes, um, than it is that you're struggling with anxiety or having suicidal thoughts, because any, it's, it's a, it's a health condition, and any health condition that doesn't get treatment is going to get worse. Exactly. Um, You know, you talk about anxiety, and the stigma, do you think that that stigma is across the board for other mental illnesses? I mean, I'm going to just talk about addiction as one. Um, 
you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and there's various organizations that have been working to, I guess, help people cope with that. And a lot of people will say that alcoholism is a disease. Would you put anxiety as that category? Oh, absolutely. I think um, mental health issues, addiction, I think they're all an illness that needs treating. And I, you know, what one of the things I'm hoping to accomplish is, I guess the best way to say it is to change the face of some of those disorders. So unfortunately, if you haven't, you know, have that had that in your family or had a friend or family who was a member who was experiencing it, you might only have the context of things you've seen in the media or other negative aspects of thinking of someone like that. And you probably don't realize that, you know, it's, it's your cousin, it's your neighbor, it's your boss, it's someone who you know. And I'm really looking to change the face of um, how, what people think the, those folks look like because those folks are us. And, and I really think that's important. I think it's extremely important. And you said those folks are us. I myself have some issues, not so much with anxiety, but with ADHD. Um, and always felt like I could not openly admit that because it would impact my work opportunities or what people thought of me. So you also talked about you're having anxiety and maybe overlooking some of the things in your children and the signs. Can you share with the audience a little bit about some of the signs that they should be looking for? Sure. I, I, uh, there were a number of things that I just didn't know. For example, one um, way that anxiety manifests is through anger. And um, that was not something that I was aware of. And I also did not understand the extent that it manifests physically when my children were younger. I took my daughter to, oh, had to be 20 or 30 specialists in Westchester Wow! when she was a young child and, and into her early teenage years because she just had so many symptoms. She would um, feel like she couldn't breathe, like her throat was closing. She had stomach issues. She had headaches. She couldn't sleep. And she was diagnosed with, you know, everything from fibromyalgia to, you know, God knows what. Wow. And none of it was accurate. It really was, which we didn't find out until she went away to college and had a significant event. And then we figured out that it was anxiety and she went into counseling, um, got treatment, went on medication. And that's when we really figured out what it was. So I think when you, you know, go to a doctor, I'm hoping it's different now. That was 20 years ago. They never asked about anxiety. They never asked about stress. Um, they never suggested. They they never suggested that she see a psychiatrist. Um, they just you know moved on to oh that's not my body part. I don't worry about that. Why don't you go see this other specialist? And it really, once we figured out what it was, we were able to acknowledge it and learn about it and treat it. But without even the medical profession being able to say, hey, I think this might be a mental health issue. You, you really, you're, you're following a trail that doesn't help you get to a solution. That's interesting because, you know, you're talking about 20 years ago and I know that the last few times I went to see a medical professional, some of the main checkpoints were, do you have anxiety? Do you have depression? It seems like those mental health issues have risen to the awareness of the medical community. 
I'm, I'm really hoping they have. I've experienced that also, but since I don't have young children, I don't know if they're asking the children at what age, asking the parents if they're allowing the children to have an opportunity to talk with or without the parents in the room. I'm not sure how that's being handled, um, you know, at the, at the level of, of younger children and teenagers, but I do have hope that they're making changes there and doing a better job of screening and normalizing, letting, you know, children talk about what they're experiencing because they're experiencing a lot of stress also. Well, exactly. And I think more so, unfortunately, now because of COVID-19 and it's got to be very strange for a child to all of a sudden be told you can't go out and play with your friends unless you're six feet away. You have to wear a mask. Now, I know kids are not required to wear a mask, but uh, it's got to be extremely tough. And then they carry it with them. Speaking about children, since you wrote the book with your daughter, I want to talk about what that process was like. Mm-hmm. It, it was really great. We, uh, I, I'll go back to when it started. I, I'd always wanted to write a book. It was kind of floating around in my head for a couple of years, but I just wasn't sure how to start or, or how to go about it. And um, for my um, birthday a couple of years ago, my daughter and I met in Vegas and um, we were sitting, you know, having dinner and just kind of talking about life and goals. And I had needed to make some significant changes in my life at that point. So we were just talking deeply about that. And I had shared with her, it's the first time I shared with anyone that I was looking to write a book that that was really a goal I wanted to accomplish because I really think there's so much more we can do to decrease the stigma by sharing our story and being open about it. And, you know, we talked about it. She agreed and said, "Hmm, I could could see you doing that. And then as we continued to um, have the conversation, she, you know, decided that, Um, It would be great if we wrote it together and had the differing perspective, you know, my perspective, generational, you know, we got to talk a little bit about my mother and her mental health and then mine and then um, raising my daughter and then her perspective on that also. And then we go into my son is also um, there's a story about him in there. And as as we started to write the book, I was just couldn't contain myself. So I was talking with everyone in my life about that, you know, I was doing this new venture and it was shocking to me how many people just said, oh, me too. I have anxiety. And these are people I know. And the more I disclosed, the more they disclosed. And it was so normalizing that I included um, many of their mini memoirs also in the book because I feel like the, you know, maybe you don't connect 100% with my story. You connect with a little piece of it. And then you read something in somebody else's story. Um, So I I think the more we can show the variety of ways anxiety manifests, the more people can recognize it and say, oh, okay, so somebody else feels that I can I can go ahead and get treatment for that or or, um, find coping strategies. But my daughter and I, she's in Chicago. I'm in New York. She was at the time in um, medical school. So it was really difficult. She would get up every morning at three o'clock and she would write and edit from three to four in the morning and then send it to me and we would collaborate back and forth. But it was, um, it, it was really interesting because the, the more we wrote and thought about our story, the more we remembered and discovered. So it was, it was a really great process for both of us. I'll tell you, that is dedication to get up at three o'clock in the morning. You mentioned that your doctor was your doctor. Your daughter was in medical school. Um, so she's since 
become a physician and what area of practice does she have? I know this, but our listeners may not. <laughs> she became a psychiatrist. Exactly. Yeah. Um, now, did you, what was the, I guess, when working with her, what was sort of the biggest discovery that you had about her and maybe that she shared with you about you? Well, it, it's interesting because she is um, one of the first people in, in my life who uh, told me, hey, Ma, you know, you really have, you have anxiety, you have OCD, you know this, right? And I was like, no, what are you talking about? And, um, you know, she really helped me to see that, you know, it's not, I don't have to live with, you know, going and checking six times to make sure I unplugged my curling iron or driving <laughs> around the block twice to make sure the garage door is closed. Um, she, you know, was just like one day, she's like, you know, you know, they have medication for that. And I was like, what? <laughs> so, you know, I, I went and, um, you know, saw someone and I don't have those issues anymore. So, um, was this after she went to medical school that she said that there are medications for this or was this before during, she went to- during? During medical school. Okay. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, does anxiety or depression or OCD run in your family as far as you know? Um, well, you know, it's hard to say if it runs in the family just because, I mean, clinically, because it wasn't something that was diagnosed or talked about. Um, but I can tell you without any doubt that my mother has many, many mental health issues um, she clearly has um, anxiety. She, um, she she has issues that manifested deeply into physical issues. She was sick most of, you know, most of the time I was growing up and in and out of the hospital. And I'm convinced that a majority of that was um, symptoms from mental health issues. And, um, you know, she also, I, my father, a couple of years ago, it, it finally admitted to me because I always had a sense she's in a nursing home now with dementia. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, I know. Me too. Especially since I haven't been able to see her since March. But um, so she she would like look around and kind of say, did I do something wrong? What, you know, is everything OK? And I just had this feeling she had like been institutionalized or something. Mm. So I asked my father at one point, he finally admitted that, um, you know, back in the early 60s when she had my older sister, she had what we nowadays would call postpartum depression. She right. had a bed, lethargic, all of that. And they actually back then um, had her put into the psychiatric center. Um, I just can't imagine that in my lifetime, that's what we thought was treatment to separate someone from their newborn child, their home setting, and to put them in an institution because they're depressed. So um, she clearly had mental health issues, but they, they weren't diagnosed or treated, which I'm really glad this generation and the next generation are um, really in a different place about all of that. Yeah, and I think strangely with what we're going through with the pandemic, that it has increased the conversation about anxiety and depression and the need for people to either get talk therapy or maybe see somebody about getting a prescription. Um, you yeah, mentioned I, in... I'm sorry. <laughs> I, say, I have so many thoughts about that. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead and, and, um, and tell me your thoughts on that before I ask my next question, please. Okay. So I, I really think that, you know, before the pandemic hit, you know, the United States and the whole world already, um, we were seeing an increase in both, um, you know, anxiety, depression, and recognition of it. 
but the pandemic just took that to a whole new level. I mean, fear became the new normal. I mean, people who already knew, acknowledged, and were being treated for anxiety or depression, it hit them, but it also hit everyone. It brought worry into our homes and our lives in a in a way we became, we had to become obsessed about protecting our children, our elderly parents, our, our family with chronic health issues and ourselves. And uh, it became a, a way everyone was talking about it. And um, I know the World Health Organization confirmed that the coronavirus crisis is increasing stress and, um, you know, that that's kind of a universal issue. So absolutely, um, it really has magnified it. And, and I'm, I feel like the, the good, the good that can come of that is folks who maybe didn't understand it or had no interest in understanding it now have felt at least a little bit of it and can start to recognize, you know, what it is and how it affects others. And that that will hopefully normalize the experience for all of us and really be the last step that that decreases the stigma. Well, I absolutely agree. And I think it also presents as a way to become more empathetic or, you know, that understanding, because I think a lot of people might just say, oh, they got anxiety and it's it's all in their head and Mm -hmm. um, they have no reason to be anxious. Right. And I think, you know, compassion is definitely um, a, a big, big piece of it. But also, um, you know, I think that's part of the stigma where people, you know, make comments like that, you know, it's all in your head or just calm down. Right. And, you know, if someone is, you know, having a heart attack, you don't tell them, oh, just calm down, take a deep breath, you know, if they have asthma. So, you know, I, I continue to advocate for if it was that easy, we'd all do it and anxiety wouldn't exist. So clearly it isn't. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a health issue and it, you know, depending on how severe it is, it can impact your daily living skills. It can be with you every minute of every day. It is an illness. And for some folks, it's a very, very difficult one to live with. I mean, there is hope and, and, you know, you can live a successful, happy life, but it takes strength and resiliency to do that. And do you have any tips for those who are struggling with anxiety? Because you said it can be with you every minute of every day. And yet, as adults, we need to, most of us need to be employed and work for a living. Uh, So are there any tips that you can share with the listeners um, that they might try to use in order to get through this difficult time and the, the future? Well, I think I, I think what works for each person is very individual and very different. And you have to sometimes try different coping skills to find out what works for you. But there's, you know, many things that can be done. One of the, um, you know, really good things that has come out of um, the coronavirus is teletherapy is now readily available for doctor's appointments, um, counseling and psychiatry appointments which is a really wonderful development. Previously, there were so many regulations making that almost impossible. So I think if folks haven't tried that or they've been hesitant to, they can do it from the privacy of their own home now. There, um, you know, there's, there's many ways that, that you can get help um, now. But I also think there's just your everyday coping skills, anything that helps you to feel in control or to calm down. I mean, there's so many things, anything from, um, 
you know, a meditation app to um, journaling to, um, you know, taking a walk, um, anything creative that you can do, taking some time for deep breathing, adult coloring, um, you know, there's just scrapbooking, home improvement projects. I think what, I mean, some folks, you know, they enjoy putting music on and, and just, you know, even doing the dishes, just focusing their their energy on something else. Um, so there's not one thing gardening. I mean, there's, I mean, adopt a pet, um, you know, right now would, would be you're alone, you're in your home, you're isolated. I've talked with several people who've adopted a dog or a cat and it's really helped them to, um, you know, have a focus on something else and feel like they have some companionship if they live alone. So there's really an unlimited number of things that can be done. I love all those ideas, except for doing the dishes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, me too. <laughs> I do have I do have three pets, two dogs and a cat, and I can tell you they are definitely my emotional support animals. They definitely reduce my anxiety. Um, and I want to bring up another topic. Be, um, you mentioned in the pre-interview when we talked earlier that you were divorced. Can I ask how long you were married and... If you don't mind me asking, was there an impetus to getting divorced and did your anxiety have anything to do with it? Wow, that's a lot. Okay. That is so, a lot. <laughs> I was married for 29 years and um, we, we had a lot going on in our marriage. We had um, quite a bit of um, trauma and issues and, and that led also into some of my daughter's post-traumatic stress. So when my daughter was three, um, my husband was on his way to work and um, he was a, a root sales driver and he was hit head on by a drunk driver. Oh, and wow. Both drunk drivers were um, were killed in the accident and oh, he survived, geez. but he was um, partially disabled. So that trauma at a very young age made my daughter realize that, you know, people may not always be around. And then, you know, right after that, there was, you know, 9-11 and just a whole host of things. So wow. from her perspective, but that really, um, you know, put a put a strain on our, in our on our marriage in many, many ways. And we really worked at it for a very long time. But by the time the kids were, um, you know, out, out of the house and had gone off to college, it just we just weren't in the same place anymore. And I think we were holding each other back. So it just wasn't going to work going forward. And I really needed to um, find myself again and to be able to live my life um, without some of the constraints that, you know, he and the marriage put on me. So that was very tough, very tough. Um, you know, it took me, I knew I wanted to leave years, many years before I did. And um, one day I just decided that was the day. And um, I moved out. So I think it's, I respect you for it. I think it's very difficult to make that choice. I myself am divorced and made the choice to leave a marriage after 17 years. Mm -hmm. And the last seven years, I was not happy. I think it's called self-care. At least that's what my therapist says. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I do. I think that, you know, at some point, we ha all have to make choices. Uh, and hopefully those choices bring us a little more peace and a little bit more happiness. Well, that's one place where I really 
started to understand and then accept that, you know, maybe, maybe it wasn't as much a failure as just not meant to be because his anxiety and depression um, really manifested, you know, as it did sometimes in my kids with, um, with anger. And, um, you know, it just, it was hard on everyone. Now you mentioned that you had the daughter and a son. Yes, I have my son, James. He lives in South Carolina and, um, he has just gotten accepted into social work school, which he's going to be starting, um, in September. So we're going to kind of, it's kind of cool because, um, you know, mental health advocate, my daughter's a psychiatrist and my son is going to be a licensed clinical therapist. So it's kind of the family business. I think that's very cool. And you should be proud of both of them. I'm extremely proud of both of them. As a parent with a son and a daughter with some anxiety issues and maybe depression, did you notice any gender differences? And I, I just am curious um, that's an interesting question. I don't know if it's so much gender, honestly, as it is personality. They're uniquely, you know, themselves and very different. I think what perhaps um, my son didn't share as much. In, in, in fact, I had no idea when he was growing up that he was experiencing the issues he experienced when I, you know, sat down to talk with him as an adult now, um, for the book, for his section, I would, I was kind of shocked by what he shared. Cause I knew my daughter was struggling. She, her issues were so extreme. They kind of took over the family and he was a little in the background, I hate to say, but, um, he had, was having significant anxiety issues. He, um, you know, was really struggling once he got to middle school and I did not know that. So it's it's interesting because now he and I talk almost daily and, um, you know, share very openly what we're experiencing and how we're feeling. And he's actually become a, a large support for me. But, um, you know, whether it's gender, because, of course, stereotypically, you know, men are taught that, you know, they shouldn't show weakness. They shouldn't show exactly. emotion, which is nonsense. Um, I don't know if we ever I don't know. If, so I really can't tell if it is personality or gender, but there's real um, gender expectations that um, harm boys and men. So that 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 is true. Yeah, and that's sort of where I was headed, because I do believe that we have put a different emphasis or pressure on men not to express themselves. And um, I think that's it's sad. I agree completely. I, I, you know, I think it's very harmful. Extremely so. Um, has the book brought you and your daughter any closer? I don't think so because we've always been very, very close. I mean, it was, it was fun to do together and a great accomplishment. And I really, you know, appreciated her support because, you know, there were lots of times where I was like, yeah, what do I know? I don't know how to write a book. How's this going to work? And she, um, and well, she, both of my children encouraged me and, you know, helped me to continue to, to find the energy and the confidence to go on. So, um, you know, that, that was great, but it's, you know, something we did together that we'll always have. So, so that's wonderful. So what's next on your plate? 
I have a lot of ideas, to be honest with you. Um, I have um, my my sister is a professor and she has, she teaches early education. And we've talked a bit about the importance of I'm hoping that my book is not just for people with anxiety and their friends, but it's also for professionals, for teachers and professors and, um, you know, a, a direct care aides, anyone who is able to work with folks and and help them and identify things. So we've talked about, one, how stressed out her students are, especially during this COVID when it went online. Right. It was, she was like a full-time counselor. And I think that um, what I'm seeing is that, um, you know, all kinds of businesses, employers and colleges are and high schools and schools are looking to do more to train the um, the folks that work for them that are working with kids so they can identify, refer and, and help support. So I'm thinking my sister, you know, wants to write a book for, for that audience with me. And I'm thinking that I can um, help by making available um, some maybe online forums and discussions with teachers and professors. Um, I, I have three or four different ideas about um, books that I want to write. I want to focus a little bit more on the uh, millennial generation also, because I think they are the most stressed out generation yet. And I really believe we need to address that and help them in a different way. So I, I, I have lots of ideas. Excellent. Also just, I just finished writing. Um, it's not ready for publication, but um, my first children's book. And um, I'm looking into how one gets a children's book published. But I think that'll be my actual next thing that I produce. Well, we're excited to see it. And since we've only got a minute left, why don't you tell the audience where they can find your book? Certainly. Uh, my book is available right now on Amazon. And um, you can also go to my website, which is lorimanylentini.com. And I am also on Instagram and Facebook at Anxiety Insights. Great. Lori, thank you so much for being candid and sharing your story and for writing the book. And this is Candace Schoner with Speaking Candidly with Candace, reminding everyone that every cloud has a silver lining. And thank you, Candace. I appreciate the opportunity to talk more about mental health and um, support folks. Till next time. Bye-bye.